You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 448, The Quiz of Dreams, or is it Nightmares? Hooray for Dr. Martin's Boots, and What's the Deal with Louis Capaldi? That's all coming up after Teardrop Explodes and When I Dream. get the chance to read Julian Cope's two volumes of autobiography they're called Head On and Repossessed especially in days of isolation they're well worth it beautifully uh, elegantly written and they're not only an, a, a, an astonishing direct insight into his life but they also chart a period of huge change in pop music meanwhile that was a single taken from the album Kilimanjaro uh, reaching number 47 in the UK in 1980 the teardrop explodes and when I dream that is very nice. And I, I also like to hear Julian Cope as he should be remembered, really, because unfortunately in recent years, whenever I think of Julian Cope, I think of my friend's rather sorry tale of going to see him at the Latitude Festival in 2007. Uh, she said that there were he did lots of things, none of which you could really describe as a tune directly. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing descended into chaos and ended with him stood, in the, stood on someone's shoulders in the middle of the crowd, adopting a Jesus Christ-style pose with his arm pose with his arms out whilst people threw beer cans at him so let's let's remember julian co <laughs> better times very much so and thanks for joining us here uh, for the parish council podcast it's episode 448 
I'm Terence Stackham, and let's just make sure she's not busy on the House Party app. It's Juliet Harris. Yeah, absolutely. I am going to a Zoom party for the Labour leadership results later on. Um, All of this whole thing, by the way, this whole lockdown thing that's going on, means that I've had Zoom by the Fat Larry Band in my head for about the last three weeks. There's a a cartoon doing the rounds of Scooby-Doo, Fred from Scooby-Doo, whipping off the the sheet from a ghost, which is usually the bloke that owned the building in Scooby-Doo, saying, uh, who is is behind this coronavirus conspiracy? And the, 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 the thing that is revealed under the sheet is someone with a zoom logo for their head so so yes i think zoom have done quite well out of this haven't they apparently they did them have i got news for you became have i got zoom for you last night where they did it everybody that participated participated from their house in zoom apparently and they had they had a a panel of screens showing people from their houses which is uh which is uh slightly peculiar i think but anyway i've I've wandered so wildly off our intro topic i think i should just say hello and then we can get it back together again (laughs) well now what what better way to get started than with the quiz that i believe her majesty the queen and prince philip play along with in windsor castle i've heard this i'm not yeah i i think uh, it's um it's breaking news um this week the, the theme is sleep dreams and similar um, so, nice. I, I'm looking forward to the similar, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah that's right. Uh, and there'll be five tracks related to that theme. Ten points on offer. Uh, five for the artist, five for the tracks containing the theme. I get some paper, don't I? Luckily, oh, do. I'm in my, what passes to my home office nowadays, so I am literally surrounded by paper. So let's find something I can actually oh, write Dear, in. dear, I'm, I'm surprised at your ill-preparedness. So this is shocking. I know, I know, because well, usually I come across as so professional on this. Thank you, Terence. <laughs> Horrified. Um, now let's uh, let's check who the contenders <laughs> I are. I always rely on you not to massively overreact as well. That's never <laughs> changes. Um, the, the contenders this week are you, the, the listener, and as uh, previously ascertained, you, the Juliet Harris. Indeed, why mess with a with a winning slash not particularly winning formula? Yes. Now, as always, um, no help from the studio audience, please. And Juliet, you, you are now positioned suitably, are you? Uh, I uh, am. Uh, yes, I'm literally on the edge of my seat. It's all very exciting. Now, uh, it's an easy one to get you underway. Um, I hope uh, seven points needed to win the star prize. Smile Now, there's some, I think there's one or two real tough ones in there, certainly one uh, big toughie, but uh, sometimes you surprise us with your knowledge of music <laughs> way outside of your era. Sometimes I'm surprising, but mostly I'm just, you know, the same old predictable exactly. me. But let's see what I can do. Well, the, with the first, first one, one, you should. There should be no yeah, problem. Yeah, that, that's lovely. Uh, from the Abbey Road album, Golden Slumbers by the Beatles as part of the infamous Long Medley. That's right. And slumbers is the uh, key word for the that theme. Book. Absolutely. I'm enjoying your on-messageness of your of your thing. Yeah. Um, next of all, we go to... Um, uh, we go to uh, Fleetwood Mac and Dreams. Uh, very, oh, I love that song. That was a very excellent choice. Thank you, Sati. Now the next one. I'm I'm concerned here for your point uh, accumulation. I, I think I've gone off. Um, I think I've gone off. Um, I, I've gone off the fact that I think I recognise the voice here. Mm. I think the voice is Petula Clark. Yes, one point scored. Ooh. In which case, although I don't know the song, I do know that she had a song called Don't Sleep in the Subway, so I'm going to guess that it's that on the basis that that fits the theme. Well, you're like the Poirot of uh, hey! of sleep-related quizzes because that's perfect, sleep being the operative word there. My little grey cells for that, yes, thank you very much. Now, number four, don't know, it may, it's very indie, so you may know it, but again... Yes, well, see, this is this is red meat to me because it was, uh, was of course the, uh, the the sound of the Britpop era, Wake uh, Up Boo by the Boo Radleys. 
I've got a feeling now you're going to score a massive 10 out of 10. Oh, oh. Would I get a super sore I score? Who knows? But I believe that's Daydream Believer by the Monkeys. 10 out of 10. You, you get a, very well done. You get a holiday in, in Blackpool <laughs> with police drones uh, following <laughs> you over overhead. I get, I, get a, I get a holiday in the hot destination of my own kitchen. Woo. So, uh, no, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, my uh, Sheila Clark, I think the reason that I've always kind of, you know, I, I, I've always recognised the voice and always kind of lent towards mm. it slightly is that when I was a school child um, and in in my school choir and orchestra, they used to arrange, if you remember the choir or orchestra, you were allowed to buy a ticket and go on the school trip, which was a matinee of various musicals up in London in, in the sort of the musicals land bit, as a result of which membership of the choir used to swell in the term coming up to the point where there was a trip and then would then drop off at the point at which the trip had already happened, although I was always in the choir anyway so it made noise to me and and I used to love going up to these things because it was just like another world and the first musical that we ever went to see which was the most exciting for me of all of them because I'd never ever been to a big theatre like that before was Sunset Boulevard and the lead Norma Desmond was Petula Clark oh wonderful she was great. So, so whenever I think of Petula Clark, I always think I, I always rather like that that sort of memory of, of of going up to those musicals and being really excited. I seem to remember as well that all, all of those musicals that we went to see at this point, which would have been the sort of mid to late nineties, all seem to feature one of the sons from Bread in them. They all, I think one of the sons from Bread was the male lead in this. We went to see Jesus Christ Superstar, and another one of the sons from Bread was playing Jesus. I mean, it, if it had not been for the sons from Bread, I don't think we would have ever. Another one was one of those people on roller skates in Starlight Express. I mean, you know, the, the, the cast of Bread kept London theatre land going in the late 90s, I think. Don't Sleep in the Subway, the uh, lovely Petula Clark here mm. from 67, actually nominated for a Grammy in 1968. Really? It was wow. written, written by Tony Hatch, who he's often thought of mm. as a sort of comfy, sweater, easy listening sort of songwriter. Well, the, the grandstand theme is his, isn't it? Well, this is, it is quite the background because he was in Davy Bow, David Bowie's first band, The Lower Third. That's oh, you right, know, yeah. a sort of a surprise thing. And then he wrote and produced hits for The Searchers. And then, as you say, he wrote the music for so many um, TV shows, uh, Crossroads and Neighbours, which is a oh, lovely, lovely song. That, that is a lovely theme, yeah. It, it doesn't get its due, I think. He's the sort of name that pops up on those easy listening. I've got a, a Test Card Classics compilation, yes. which I think you might be on that. The sort of compilations that you would loathe, yeah. I absolutely <laughs> love. He, he always turns up. Him and him and Keith Mansfield and, and my my relative Frank Chatsfield always seem to turn up on those those compilations. But like you say, he's got a huge, huge variation behind him, hasn't he? Mm. Now, Julia, I'm coming out of left field here because I've got a bonus clip for you, okay? Oh, wow. Oh, this gosh. is very what, unusual what, what practice, practice, I know. And uh, I hadn't pre-warned you about this at all. So um, for uh, uh, an extra uh, bonus point, um, see if you can um, give us the, uh, the theme word and identify um, this extra bonus clip. Christmas time There's no need to be afraid. Now, can you identify the clip and the, uh, the, the, the bonus word? Now, I can, I can identify the, cri- the clip, which is Feed the World by Band-Aid. Mm. I'm struggling on the, bonus, on, the bonus cl- on the bonus word, though. Do they know it's Christmas? Do they? Yeah. Do they know it's Christmas time at all? Parents, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to have to ask you to leave. I know. I'm terribly sorry about that. Listeners and Juliet. Oh, I can I, only apologise. I, I, I mean, the, the funny thing is, is that is that is that you. I, I love the fact you thought I would recognise that because I am a Palmer fan, but not even I, I'm afraid, will will sink that low. Although I can link you back to Abbey Road and Golden Slumbers, uh, slumbers by saying, "Here comes the Pun King." Oh, very good. Thank very you very so much. Coming right up. Hooray no for puns, please. No puns. Hooray for Dr. Martins and his legendary footwear. That's right after Little Boots.
I'm an enormous fan of Little Boots and have been since I first saw her perform. It was just before her album came out. She was one of those people that unfortunately got rather tarred with the brush of doing well in those BBC's Sound Of whatever year it was polls, which is always a cast iron guarantee, a bit like winning the Mercury, that you'd never be heard of again afterwards. But she she was uh, performing at a festival I went to called Witchwood, which took place on Cheltenham Racecourse. Um, and it was very pleasant, actually. It was weird. You weren't allowed to go near the fences. You kind of camped <laughs> outside, and then they kind of led you. You were led by stewards in a high-vis across the course in order to get into the arena, if I remember correctly. Um, it was a funny little festival, but we oh, we very much enjoyed it. And she was on... They didn't have many big acts. Um, I think super, that the headliners were big. Like, it seemed like they spent all their money on the headliners, and then they just kind of found various people. I remember Bellahead being very good value on the Sunday afternoon, and the headliners were super grass, super furry animals, and uh, trans global underground, I think. But Little Boots was on on Saturday afternoon. It was very hot and very sunny. And I remember saying to my friend that I'd kind of heard of her but I didn't I didn't you know I wasn't sure about her and she came on and she was a pop star for 50 minutes she just was a fully formed pop star and she was brilliant and she opened with this number and I remember me and my friend saying wow she's got to be massive surely how can she not be and she rather paled in the shadow of LaRue who was her sort of rival for the for the the sound of whatever it was at the BBC but it's a pity because I think that Hands is a really really underrated album and and I, I think it's been reissued again fairly recently it might have been a 10th anniversary reissue last year and it's she's largely doing things by herself now at the boot she seems to be sort of a, she's a remixer she seems to be a, a dj and she seems to be kind of funding funding herself she she first came to fame doing little covers on youtube so she did a version of wearing my rolex by wiley which is her on a keyboard she's from blackpool so it was it was an interesting version but i just I, whenever people talk about lost albums and i know it's been a bit of a theme for me recently talking about sort of female pop stars and lost albums i do think that hands is a bit of a lost classic it's got a, du- a duet with phil oakey on it as well so there's very little to dislike about it and also when you said we were discussing boots i thought boots ah little boots so so my turn to apologize for a terrible pun there. Well, I'm amazed that wasn't a bigger hit because in my flawed memory, it was a top 10 at least, but it only tottered into the charts at 84 and then out again. It was on the radio all the time. Town was her big one as well that was absolutely everywhere and I thought that she was going to be huge, but I I don't know what it was that that people didn't, you know, Mm. people weren't weren't you know people didn't quite connect with it but it's a it's a great you know it's a wonderful album i would reckon for those on lockdown if you just want some sparkling electro pop i can recommend that you without that to you without any hesitation well you've provided me as you uh say with an excellent uh local radio style link here so i can <laughs> say um well well talking of boots little or otherwise you know just, hey, yeah yeah i love it Always here for you, Seti, always. You're listening to BBC Local Radio. Call in <laughs> if you've ever worn a pair of boots. Uh, Absolutely. Get in touch if you like shoes, yes. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say something so heretical that I'll probably be banished from popular society. for saying I've this. got my, my, my finger over the red hang-up hmm. button. I may never be taken seriously again in the world of fashion and footwear. I, I, well, I, I wasn't in the first place, so join the club, mate. <laughs> I got a pair of Dr Martin's um, DMs. Uh, as we call them, in the punk era when it was more or less mandatory to do so. They yes. were also very useful as they had uh, strong toe caps so that if anyone landed yes. on your foot while jumping up and down, your metatarsals generally survived the impact. But the bit that infuriated me and, and really turned me away from uh, from Dr Martins was the infernal number of holes that you needed to weave the laces through you couldn't just get up and go you had to sit on the stairs for 20 minutes <laughs> weaving laces across and through what felt like a hundred times um are you a dr martin's kind of gal jules enormously yes although you have reminded me that a job that i've literally been putting off for months is relacing my black oh, dm because one of the laces has done that thing where it's sort of split mm. so you've still got the core of the inside of the lace but then all of the all of the material around it has become unwound and basically it's the sort of thing i can't do without adult supervision yeah, and unfortunately as i'm at the moment not able to go and see either my my partner or my parents all of the adults in my life that could have helped me with mm. that are not around at the 
moment. So, uh, so we'll have to do it at some point. But yes, I agree with you. I have a pair of Oxblood DMs with with uh, yellow laces, and um, that I bought. I'm I'm a very big fan of most of my DMs that I've bought. I have stalked on eBay for a number of days, and then eventually managed to grab them because they don't make. Uh, they do make DMs still. Unfortunately, they are not as good as they used to be. Everyone I know that's bought a modern era pair of DM boots has had them fall apart within a year because they're not made in the Northampton factory that they used to be made. Oh, really? So, um... Yes, been, there's been a few articles about this. They're made elsewhere now, and it would seem that the quality, although although D, uh, Doc Martens deny this, I had some friends that are in a band that played a launch um, that DMs did in association, possibly in association with Fred Perry, I think. Um, and they they were all given free pairs of boots as a as a sort of a thank you for playing the gig. And one of them said they fell apart within a year, whereas whereas all of her other DMs that she's had previously haven't. So that's disappointing. So all of the DMs that I own are genuinely vintage ones. I've got a lovely pair of Paisley ones, which me and two friends all spent about a week five years ago stalking eBay for, mm-hmm. and it became known as Shumus. And, uh, and so, yes, I did eventually get, like the, like the Mounties, I got my man slash shoes <laughs> eventually. But no, I'm a huge fan of DMs, partly because... I like the aesthetic of them, and and, and you you say they were very integral to punk. Mm. They were also very integral to being a mod as well, mm. particularly when paired with Fred Perry, which is which being a mod is kind of being a youthful Britpopper. That's always been my kind of subculture of choice. So so I do like DMs. I that they, I mean they are. Although they are they are excellently tough boots, as you say, and I, my black DMs are officially in my my Oxblood ones are my uh, snowshoes. They they're, they're the only things I've got apart from wellies that that will get through anything that will get through any sort of weather that have great grip that don't slide etc. So I'm a fan of those. Although having said that, even though they are you know more workman like boots, there's still an element of posing about them because it, when you put them on, you are as as you are with with any kind of clothing or any sort of uh, shoes or, tra- or you know brands of trainers that sort of thing. You are saying something about yourself by putting those on in the same way that if you don't make if you deliberately don't make any effort over your clothes that is still a deliberate choice you are still sending a message which is i don't care about clothes i'm too sincere in in some major political leader cases recently so so I'm a, so i'm a i'm a kind of a i, I accept the fact that that although I, I i try and argue oh yes dms are so practical that's the only reason why i wear them that's clearly not true i'm clearly kind of trying to send a message about you know weirdly in the case of dms like you say with punk and mod you're sort of talking about the music and the culture that you like in the shoes that you wear as well as, as well as necessarily you know wanting to wear them because they look cool so I'm a, I'm a, yeah, I can argue that, oh, yes, they're so practical, but equally, you know, I like the image that DMs give off. I like the sort of nostalgia around them. I like the, I like the fact that they, that, that you know, that they're connected with subcultures that really mean something to me, I think. So I'm a, I am a fan of DMs. And also from a totally practical point of view, as a working DJ, the first time I did a five hour set stood upright on a wooden floor by myself, I wore Dunlop trainers that were pumps, essentially, that were flat and had no arch support every single occasion after that i've worn dms when i do <laughs> they give adequate arch support and when you get to a certain stage in your life that counts in general i've never been too fond of boots in any shape or style and that's because when wearing a trouser as most men uh, favor uh, although you know these days all options are, are, are open um Indeed. I really don't like that feeling of something halfway up my leg with my trouser caught and unable to sit freely like they can on on a on a Ooh. shoe. And this led me to wonder why so much of our history of clothing for the fashions that go in um, harmony with musical styles mm. is often so uncomfortable because also in the punk era big heavy leather jackets that were cumbersome in winter and like wearing they were like wearing a 15 tog duvet in the summer and the worst of it was the people who couldn't afford leather jackets wore these awful plastic imitations that allowed 
all sweat to stay inside oh, the jacket. Oh, that is mank. And on the wearers, you know, so many punk gigs. It's, the, like it's awful. Oh, so many punk gigs, the, especially if you're in a small, you know, back room of a pub or something. The air, the air had the toxic aroma of stale male sweat. But it, was, it wasn't much better in the hippie era. Those Afghan coats, uh, if you got stuck in the rain with one of them, and, the, and well, the wearer, they smelled like a camel who just rolled around in something, you know, <laughs> awful for a week. Um, but oh, do you know what, Jules, like Do you remember those um, Visco girls we discussed some months ago? They they've got it right, you see. T-shirts and shorts—that's a sensible clothing genre. So um, you know, with, with no leather or plastic or Afghan tomfoolery in sight. Absolutely, I agree. There's also a similar movement, which is meant to be, I think, um, sort of all gender, but actually is often applied to men. I think uh, called normcore. I don't know if we discussed this before. Normcore basically means dressing like your dad. So a classic normcore thing would be jeans that don't have any kind of cut to them. So they don't have, they're not flared, they're not baggy, they're just normal jeans. And a plain grey sweatshirt. That is that is normcore. So I did quite like the idea. But again, you are trying to send a message by not wearing anything outlandish, which I find quite interesting. Speaking of uncomfortable things, um, I, I agree that these those girls probably got it right. I'm going to tell the story. I'm cringing as I remember oh. it, but I feel that the general populace of the podcast deserve to hear this, which is when I was younger. And as a teenager, I think you're at your most experimental when you're sort of in your late teens. I think that's really the time that you become a bit confident and then... And you think, oh, yes, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to develop a key look. Unfortunately, my key look. Um, so picture the scene. I am wearing a T-shirt that is white, but with multicolored rainbow stripes across it. Right. That's already quite loud, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes. So I'm about 17 at this point, 16 or 17. I'm wearing, so workman's caterpillar trousers. But these are, they're not fluorescent but they are very much canary yellow oh my goodness me. Okay. yellow the, a multicolor, and i've decided the the perfect thing to top this off would be flip flops with the union jack on them my god so, what a so look. that's that it isn't it quite frankly so uh, it, i did have my own look unfortunately i looked like i should have been on children's television presenting <laughs> that was my look that was bad enough as it was I ran for a bus in flip-flops. Oh, how, do you, how do you think that ended, Terence? Oh, no, you didn't go <laughs> over, did you? I did fall over, yes. Oh, and the bus no. did not stop, and the people on the back seat laughed. So I hope oh. that that bus went to hell is all I can say. But, um, but I'd yeah. wake up in the night dreaming <laughs> of that. I would. Uh, you, you, you say that like I still don't, really. But, yeah, <laughs> I, um, I, the, yeah the, I mean, even... Even the practical looks that I adopted were uh, were, were unfortunate. Um, I, I wore a raincoat, which was very sensible. It was also lime green, um, which I decided that I would then pair with a hat. Yes, because it was raining. That was a denim cowboy hat. So, uh, so uh, yeah, I mean, even if you're practical. No wonder if- you're so well known in your local area. <laughs> I used to wear a bowler hat as well. And when I was introduced to somebody at a party years ago, they went, oh, you were the girl that wore the bowler hat. We all used to wait for you to come in in the Virgin Megastore. <laughs> Accidental celebrity. And I didn't know. But um, but yeah, so, so even if you want to go for something more practical, um, there are ways to be practical and there are ways not to be practical. Even if when I was built for comfort, I still I still tried to be built for, ste- for speed with them. Uh, predictably awful results, I think. I uh, I'd, I'm, I think I might have to spend 10 years being a normal core person in order to wait, make up for the outlandish, garish colourings of my youth and falling in unf- unsuitable footwear. <laughs> um, we'll be back looking at the life and times of Lewis Capaldi. Uh, that's right after Tracy Young. Sometimes I don't like what you say. Sometimes I don't like what you
Well, this is uh, Tracy Young, who had an intriguing teenage years. She became a sort of protégé of Paul Weller. She was almost an additional member of the Jam in their dying days. She sang on mm-hmm. Beat Surrender. Um, and then she followed Paul Weller into the Style Council and sang on Speak Like a Child. That was a single taken from 1984 and her debut album, Far From The Hurting Kind, a song written for her by Elvis Costello, Tracy and I Love You When You Sleep. I'd never heard that before, and I I only had a vague idea of who she was, and I really I really enjoyed that. I thought it was really good. Lovely, yeah. She then went on, um, say, intriguing career. After music, she then went on, and she was uh, a disc jockey on Radio Essex for about ten years. Hmm. Now she um, works here with homeless people. So it's an interesting life. No, she does sound interesting. It's interesting that lots of lots of interesting people often kick up on the uh, on the sort of Essex and that kind of area of the country's radio stations. Local radio seems to be very very febrile there. Um, Steve Davis, I think, still has his once a month oh, show yes. on Phoenix FM, which I think is is in that kind of area as well. And when I when I started in radio on a little station called ARFM, an internet station, the bloke who, who ran it used to do the the twelve to six graveyard shift on Radio Essex. <laughs> a bit so i think i think it, I, I always think fondly of local radio in that area because it seems like i don't know if it's still the case now but at one point it seemed an interesting mix of kind of like you say people that had done things elsewhere in the music biz and people that were just able to have a go it's you know good for good for good for good for radio essex hooray for radio essex i don't so much uh, keep up with current music anywhere near like i used to in my younger days i don't know if it's an age thing or because i think it's more that we have so many distractions yeah these i days. think So I have to confess I had heard of Louis Capaldi, but never heard any of his music, which is, I know it's quite the admission, Um, but I was intrigued to read a review of a live show he did at Wembley Arena just before the lockdown. Um, Mm. In this review by Neil McCormack of the Daily Telegraph, Capaldi is described as, and I quote, deeply weird, a fidgety misfit who jokes to cover insecurity, then bellows his pain like a drunk after closing time. End yeah. of quote. Now, that's a, that's a bit much, isn't it? <laughs> it, it, it? Yeah, that's what intrigued me so much. Now, just before we bring in uh, Juliet, uh, Juliet to help us understand his success, in case, like me, you don't know much about Lewis Capaldi, here's a 30-second clip from his number one single, Someone You Loved. I need somebody to hear, somebody to know, somebody to have, somebody to hold. It's easy to say. But it's never the same I guess I kinda like the way you know all the pain Now the day bleeds into nightfall And you're not here to get me through it all I let my gut down And then you pull the rug I 
He seems to have a terrific voice to me, though a, a bit shouty at times, as so often these days. Um, as so often these days, all the songs on his album seem to be written by committee. But, mm. Jules, what do you know of Louis Capaldi and why did he have the biggest selling album of 2019 in the UK? So I've I've done a bit of an about turn on Lewis Capaldi, mostly because my my partner shamed me into the way that I was behaving about Lewis Capaldi. Um, in that I used to get frustrated by the fact that Lewis Capaldi doesn't look like a pop star. I used to get I, sure. I think we've talked about this previously. He's gone, for goodness sake, he's he's comes on wearing a sweat wearing a normcore style sweatshirt, <laughs> looking like he's just plastered the front room. Um, I uh, that's not my line by the way. That was uh, uh, I nicked that from an ex and. Enemy review of the singer Finley Quaid. Do you remember him? Do, His yeah. uh it was previously one of the big great hopes of um, of, of singer-songwriting and sort of faded into obscurity. It'd be interesting to see what Louis Capaldi's journey looks like. But um, I remember this NME review saying that uh, he uh, he came back for his big comeback gig um, in a jumper with all the presence of somebody that is about to start plastering your front room. And I have I have criticised Louis Capaldi for this previously. And I remember uh, me, I said, you know, a drink had been taken when watching him on Graham North to my partner I remarked that you know oh you know he's he's a bit ordinary and dare I say a little bit too boss eyed to be a pop star at which point she really had a go at me and she was right to do so I think so so I I find it it's strange isn't it because I used to be a bit shruggy about Louis Capaldi and go oh these are very average songs I think he's got a great voice and I really warmed to him when he went on this Graham Norton show oh right he was very nervous and possibly a bit drunk, we thought. He had a glass of wine that he kind of cradled like a security blanket. But he was very funny, and he struck us as someone that was very nervous, that was rather overwhelmed by the sudden success that he'd had, but as a result of which came across as being very normal and very endearing, and maybe... I mean, I like his music more, and I like him more than I like Ed Sheeran, because... Ed Sheeran is very slick and very professional and, you know, and and sells out arenas and all that kind of stuff. And but is very bland, even when he's doing sort of practical jokes. Everything about Ed Sheeran feels so stage managed. Yet with Lewis Capaldi, there is just something about him that that when you see him on things, it is is unstage managed. That is someone that is trying to reckon with the success that they've had. And I find him much more relatable as a result. And maybe the reason for his success is that he's written songs. Some are better than others, but that that someone you loved, I think, was rightly a monster hit that you played that you played Mm. the from and maybe just people just like the fact that there is someone normal who they can relate to maybe we're now living in it maybe that's part of the the kind of age that we've lived through recently of people being sick of experts and people being remote and that sort of thing and maybe people just want someone who is who is normal who who could be them maybe, maybe something about wanting to relate to pop stars as long as they're talented Maybe we've we've moved past the point where you and I like the idea of pop stars being pop stars and being dressed like pop stars. Maybe we're now in the era where where people want to see themselves on stage rather than being taken away to a sort of a dream world. Maybe people have gone, oh, yeah, I like that person because they're like me. This is one of the the, the big questions that people get asked um, in, in political polling you know agree or disagree this person cares about people like me but what is interesting to flip that back is that Jeremy Corbyn in the Labour Party would win that score hands down for years on end yet when you were when the question who do you think is the most prime ministerial was then asked it would then flip back the other way and those ratings would be very bad so I wonder we say that we want people that are like us up on stage in public life etc but i wonder to what extent that will then truly endure or if in in times of crisis or 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 just in just in general times we then have our heads turned again by people who are you know flamboyant or are more obviously starry i don't know i think you've you've got it completely uh, with the relatability aspect because um 
Yes, another solo singer with pared down sound, um, revelatory songs, even if they are written in collaboration with a football team sized set of writers. So it would be all too easy to put Lewis Capaldi into a category with Ed Sheeran and Adele. But I think you're, you're right. It's it's somehow he, he is within sight. It's just I always find Ed Sheeran and to a degree Adele kind of remote figures. Whereas this, mm. I've been checking him out, Lewis Capaldi. I've been checking him out on social media, and he has a rather wicked um, but endearing sense of humour. So yeah, overall, it's hooray for Lewis Capaldi from me, and I should be listening to more of his music um, and discovering more about him. I think absolutely, and and I do admire the fact that he he had been criticised by Noel Gallagher, who was in, uh, interestingly, in the golden days of Oasis, Noel was meant to be the quote-unquote sensible one, mm. and Liam Gallagher was meant to be the um, the sort of the the the, 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 the slightly barbed rebel. Yeah. Yeah, whereas now Liam Gallagher has often been quoted as speaking very liberal sense on immigration and comes across as quite a quite a reasonable person, whereas Noel Gallagher is increasingly reactionary in his kind of public public statements, and he was very very critical with with about Lewis Capaldi, who then when he was playing at Glastonbury on the main stage, um, came on to playing a recording of uh, Noel Gallagher slagging him off um, and and then opened his, his jacket to reveal a T-shirt of Noel Gallagher's face in a love heart. So I have to say, I do admire anybody that deals with the criticism. He was also, I can't remember if we've talked about this on the podcast just between ourselves, but he was recently at the Grammys mistaken for a seat filler instead of, <laughs> instead of being a music star, yet was really funny about it on social media. I mean, uh, uh, you know, in my mind, more grudgingly moments I think oh that shows you not a real pop star then but actually the fact that he could deal with that with humour is is like you say enormously endearing I think it's it's his kind of character and personality all I would say as a kind of a, a captain bring down warning note here is having seen him you know be a little bit drunk a little bit all over the place and grand naughty etc um, I hope that he has people in his team that are going to look after him because he's quite young and to have a lot of success at that age is, is huge there was a good piece and I think we've talked about it recently in the Guardian about the difficulty because there is no small live music circuit anymore the difficulty of these people suddenly selling albums and your debut tour is an arena tour yes you go from that, nowhere to everywhere in a, in a and month and I know that Lewis Capaldi's had a bit of problems with his voice as a result so so I just hope that it doesn't all happen too soon for him and that they're that him and his team around him are, are able to uh to uh keep it keep it together yeah, he still lives at home with his mum and dad, I read this week, so that might be helpful for that. So, um, In these bizarre times um, in which we record this, um, it's lovely yeah. that you've taken the time and trouble to listen to us, yes. so thank you we're very really, much. For that. We're really pleased. It's lovely to have you along, and it's great when we get comments on social media and that, because it just... It, I mean, I would do this with Terence, even if there were no listeners, frankly, <laughs> because talking to Terence is enormously enjoyable, and, and, and I have a really nice time. But yeah, the fact that, that there are a, a few people that genuinely would you like to listen to this is 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 delightful so thank you so much now i see that we're having a throwback to today's oh. quiz jewels to play us out i absolutely love Fleetwood Mac I just I just uh, I, I've got really into what my friend refers to as 70s divorce pop recently so I really <laughs> like Fleetwood Mac I really like in the later period ABBA ABBA at the BBC was on last night and I would recommend if you are a fan of ABBA that you that you investigate it I was bemoaning on Facebook the fact that I sort of one minute I was thinking oh yes you know now I've got all this time you know yes it's not great this social isolation thing but you know I can catch up with all of BBC Four's documentaries and really improve and broaden the state of my mind and then 10 minutes later sang along to every single word at Aberrot the BBC on BBC4 but um, I, I, um, I've I, got into this kind of state of musical mind at the moment to the point where coming soon as they say I will be back on the radio airwaves and airwaves is, is an appropriate phrase here because I'm hoping to do a show called Smooth Sailing which is Yacht Rock and AOR themed easy listening that sort of thing not 
too much easy listening because I don't want to upset Terence. But you know that that sort of <laughs> that sort of thing. And uh, and this would definitely I do consider. There's a big debate over whether or not a band is technically yacht rock. I'm taking quite a relaxed approach to the genre, so presumably we'll spend much of my time dealing with complaints from a few pedants as a result. But anyway, I am. Um, dear Miss Harris, I was uh, listening to hey, your show. <laughs> yeah, dear sir. Yes, absolutely. Actually, that's Lord to you. Anyway, so um, so we are. Uh, uh, we're hoping to do that but i i just i love this i think this is such a cool track not calling you know kind of a look at me in my dms and shades and um, yeah, my mm. union jack flip-flops but cool <laughs> as in cool as in you know really kind of calm and really at one with itself i think and it it does a lot by doing relatively little i think and i think you could sum up some of yacht rock with that really it doesn't doesn't get very you know over the top but it's it's the the lyric is great, I think, and it's a genuinely brilliant performance as well, a vocal performance by Stevie Nicks, and I I, I think this is an absolute classic. So 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 if there, if five seconds of the the track previously was not enough for you, you can now have it in four. This is Fleetwood Mac and Dreams.
You've been listening to a Parish Council production. <laughs>